On episode 325 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to improve your mental health and resilience with the WTA's mental health and performance team. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Really excited to have you listening to this one. And I'm really excited about today's episode. A big shout out to Jessica, Alex, and Amy from WTA for helping facilitate this panel interview. Uh, I think that's the first time that I've ever interviewed more than two people at a time on the podcast. So pretty cool one today with the WTA's mental health and performance team on mental health and resilience. We talk about um, some techniques to help you improve both of those aspects, um, highly overlooked, but very important aspects of your uh, tennis success, your tennis career to help with the longevity and just happiness and being able to perform uh, really, really important issues to tackle on this one. And our guests today are Caroline Zadina, who is a mental health care provider with WTA, Becky algren Bedix, Vice President, Mental Health and Wellness with WTA, and Kathy Martin, Senior Director, Mental Health and Performance, of course, with WTA as well. So Caroline has counseled a wide range of athletes from high school to elite college and semi-professional competitors. She consults with NCA member institutions to enhance team climate and culture and with Olympic training programs to optimize performance transitions and safeguard athletes. Becky has been featured on ESPN Outside the Lines and NPR segments related to athlete development and fan behavior. Prior to joining WTA, Becky owned a consulting company and partnered with athletics departments and conference offices to enhance their student-athlete development programs. Becky also joined the Janssen Sports Leadership Center as Director of Leadership Development. Kathy provides counseling and resources for WTA players relating to emotional health, sports performance, and safety. She is very passionate about helping WTA players learn skills that will empower them to make smart and safe choices, improve their on-court performance and mental strategies, and manage the challenges of professional tennis life. Kathy, very importantly, develops WTA policy, education programs, and resources for player safety, mental health, and well-being. So today's episode is going to feature all three, Caroline, Becky, Kathy, and of course, yours truly talking about mental health and resilience, aka mental toughness, is uh, how a lot of you think of that one. And so, yeah, let's just jump right into it. I hope you really enjoy it and gain a lot of value from it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Caroline, Becky, and Kathy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this special episode of the Tennis Files podcast. It's really a pleasure and an honor to have on uh, very important members from the WTA's mental health and performance team. Uh, really great to have on Becky Algren-Bedix, uh, Kathy Martin, and Caroline Zadina. 
on the podcast. Uh, again, just really excited to have this special uh, panel on on mental health and uh, mental toughness. And I think you'll really get a lot of value out of it. So um, first of all, thank you all for coming. Really appreciate it. And I was going to ask, obviously, a bunch of uh, questions for you around mental toughness and health. And, you know, anybody can feel free to, to answer these and then, um, you know, m- might have some follow ups. But I think, um, you know, people may not quite even understand, you know, what mental health is. So I just wanted to make it easier for, for the audience and have uh, one of you define or, or, or you know, multiple define uh, mental health, what, what that is. Sure. Well, thank you again for having all of us. We really appreciate the opportunity uh, to take some time with you today. And I guess I'll just kind of step up and and take the first swing, so to speak. Uh, When we talk about mental health, it really is a state of well-being. And you really have to understand state being a dynamic place to be. So it's not you are mentally healthy or you're not. It's a state. It can change. And it really, if you wanted to put a definition, you know, people do their entire dissertations on defining mental health. But if you wanted to boil it down a little bit, uh, you kind of think about it as a sense of internal well-being, uh, knowing how your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings are reacting to things, Um, being able to cope, I would say, with typical life stressors. You know, we all have things, unfortunately, that pop up in our life that kind of take us out of our game a little bit. And that would not be, if you react in a way that's un- atypical, that would not be a cause for concern about your mental health. It's more how you react to typical life stressors. Um, mental health, we talk about how productive you are and how you contribute to the community, how you're able to perform your everyday tasks and function in a way that works for you. And it is on a continuum. Our friends at the IOC have put together a wonderful model to show kind of the the way that we can shift up and down within that continuum, dependent on a lot of internal and external circumstances. I do wanna say in closing though, that mental health is not mental illness. We hear quite a bit of people who assume they're the same thing. So I had a question on an interview the other day of how do you solve mental health? Well, that's really not a question because you wouldn't solve it. Uh, They were confusing mental health with mental illness. Thank you for that. That really clears it up. And um, obviously, a very important, um, you know, topic of discussion here. So uh, another question for you is, what are some of the biggest issues and, you know, problems that negatively affect uh, players' mental health? Um, Mervan, that's a really good question. And the WTA has done a lot of research over many years on this particular topic, looking specifically at Um, We started off looking at the younger players and how they adapted to coming into the professional ranks. And from there, we've spent a lot of time looking at our athletes and also interviewing them and um, surveying them on what factors affect them, particularly in this particular lifestyle. As Becky said, um, mental health is a lot to do with how you cope with life's stressors and challenges. And so our athletes are also human and they are going to deal with the general stresses and challenges that impact anyone in their life. So things like having death in the family or having to move house or a divorce or a separation, whether it's yours or your parents, um, those kind of things can impact all of us. But we are dealing with elite high-performing athletes and there are a lot of other stresses that we know do exist in the environment, the travel, getting injuries, the expectations that a player puts upon herself 
that others may put upon her, factors like um, the impact of social media, of even managing being in the public eye when you're maybe a young person or perhaps a bit shy and not used to doing those kind of things. Managing a team, earning money, maybe being the younger person who's employing the older person, but having to pay for that person and then they're telling you how to play and yet you're really the boss. There's a lot of quite complicated things that go on in this lifestyle. So all of those things are areas that may negatively impact players, but our role, of course, is to help them manage those challenges and to grow and develop strategies and skills to be able to thrive in that complex environment so that they are maintaining, not only maintaining their mental health, but to, um, to as I said, to thrive in the environment, given that it's quite unique and they need a unique skill set to deal with that that is way beyond how to hit uh, a forehand or a backhand. Yeah, and, and, you know, the last thing you mentioned in particular, Kathy, is a great um, segue uh, to my next question um, because uh, definitely want to ask you about um, strategies, like things that we can do to maintain and, and improve our, our mental health. So what are some of these things that, that we can do? This is something that I think your, your listeners, no matter what level, if they play tennis or not, these things are applicable to us all as human beings. And we're talking really about aspects that help our overall well-being. So some of those things are also intricately linked with our physical health. Um, my background's physiotherapy, so that's also beyond before my mental health area. So those things are, you know, well-versed for me, but absolutely apply to us all and certainly to our athletes. So things like getting a good night's sleep, eating nutritious and uh, healthy foods, having the right amount of hydration, um, exposing yourself to the to sunlight and, and nighttime, trying to keep up a regular routine, which can be very challenging for a traveling athlete. Um, surrounding yourself with supportive and healthy individuals who are going to be there for your uh, benefit and to work with you towards your goals. Those are the kind of things that are going to um, help someone improve their mental health. Also, there are other things that people can learn to do, like how to how to think about how to think about their thinking, about their attitudes towards things that happen in life, and you can drill down into some quite specific things which we have to do in our jobs to help an individual actually really crystallise what it is for her that's going to improve her capacity to cope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great stuff. Um, uh, appreciate it, Kathy. In terms of, um, you know, sleep and nutrition, I always have, you know, follow up <laughs> questions in my head. I was wondering in terms of sleep, is there a particular, um, you know, range uh, of hours that you will always suggest to um, your elite athletes, uh, WTA athletes? And then also on the nutrition front, um, is there any particular foods that, you know, just <laughs> instantaneously improve mood or anything like that? I'm just curious about those aspects. Wouldn't that be fabulous? If yes, it would be. Take a, a nutritious pill that gave us the edge, then everyone would be on it. Um, not quite so simple. And luckily on the WTA, just to tackle that part of your question first, on the WTA we have an expert um, 
medical advisors, amongst whom we have a, a sports star, a couple of sports dietitians who are absolutely expert in their field, and we defer to them on all matters nutritious when we get down to the nitty gritty. Of course, all of us on the sports science and medicine, the broader performance health team, um, have capacity to give general guidance in that area. But if a player was needing more specific um, assistance, uh, we would we would defer to our sports dietitians. What we do know, or what we're starting to learn, is from the research is there's far more um, evidence now coming that uh, good gut health, uh, mm. optimum gut health with uh, all the different types of microbiome that we have inside of us all is also intricately linked with our mental health. And so science is really just beginning to explore those factors. Ask us again in another 10 years and we've probably got a better answer for you. Um, as far as sleep, topic close to my heart. Mm. We do know, generally speaking, that adolescents require more sleep than adults, um, but there is no magic bullet, there is no magic number. On a general rule, uh, somewhere between seven and ten hours. However, again, the more research that we're um, exposed to now indicates that the quality of sleep is as important as the quantity. And over the night, we all go through cycles in our sleep pattern and each different cycle is important for doing different things and to help us recharge our brains and ourselves. And again, as we learn more in that area, we're able to provide more specific and um, appropriate guidance to our athletes. Any individual that's struggling with sleep, it's something that we do address a lot. Uh, mental health problems as sometimes include sleep problems. And so we are quite adept at exploring that area with an athlete and can help her maximise her quality and quantity of sleep. We are challenged with jet lag in our roles, so that's another factor that we have to put into that. But we could spend an hour talking about sleep, but in general terms, if someone was not perhaps getting optimum sleep and feeling fatigued, we would encourage them to come and talk to us because we've probably got quite a few um, helpful hints that we can we can help her learn how to adjust her patterns and habits to make improve things. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, yeah, it's so so cool that the you know these athletes have such a great uh, great teams helping them in, in all the different aspects there. So. Um, Another one for you all is, are there things that, um, I know you talked a little bit about this, perhaps, you know, social media and whatnot, but um, maybe we could dive a little deeper into any particular things that we're doing off the court that detract from our mental health. Because I think um, a lot of players, they think that, you know, it's it's mostly related to their results and um, how, the, how they've played, but then they don't quite think about maybe certain things that they're doing off the court that maybe if they replaced with a good habit could help um, their mental health even further? Um, when you mention the social media, that is one thing that can negatively affect people's sleep. Um, and also we, we are aware that there are issues around um, people receiving inappropriate or downright abusive messaging. So we do, again, work closely with individual athletes on those elements. But... Also, I think it's more about looking at these 
these young women are human beings first. Tennis is what they do. It's not who they are. And so to enhance our mental health, as Becky said, we really are talking about the whole person and looking at improving or enhancing what people are doing off the court away from tennis to help them nurture themselves as a person and nourish the side of themselves that might need to be creative or a bit more intellectual or a bit more social or a bit more spiritual, whatever those elements are, we will be encouraging our athletes to, to foster that and to allow that part of themselves to blossom because that's what's going to carry them through also the tough, the tough times on the court. And uh, that goes way beyond results on the court. And it is also laying down essential groundwork for being a human after they finish this career. All right, right. Excellent stuff there. And then um, in terms of, um, you know, tennis players love uh, drills and exercises and things like that. Are there any particular exercises or techniques or anything like that that players can use when they're feeling overwhelmed due to their tennis results or uh, extraneous issues off the court? When a player is feeling overwhelmed in many cases, it's because things are being felt intensely and rapidly without clarity of what or why. So gaining that clarity becomes the first step. An athlete who can learn to label what they're feeling, what emotion is popping up, and then pay attention to where that emotion is sitting or impacting their body, that then gives us clues on how to move through it. So from there, it's all about identifying valued behaviors that can address the emotion um, and the bodily sensations because behaviors, unlike thoughts and emotions, are the only things we can control. So it's really not about not feeling, it's about feeling and knowing what to do next. So for example, like an athlete who is struggling with a ball toss before a serve, right? the first thing is just trying to identify what they're feeling in that moment, whether it's fear um, or loneliness, lack of respect, usually it's some kind of subjective response to an experience that they've had and then it's about noticing what that feeling is doing to their body right is it creating tightness is there pain somewhere is there heaviness in the place it's identifying kind of what is going on in their body so once we know what to address we then action ways to kind of relieve those sensations and replace it with something more conducive to play which is usually with tennis players loosening up some part of their body um, through mm -hmm. activation strategies or something that brings their attention back to a valued behavior on court in the present moment, which kind of facilitates play. So the process of doing that, um, identifying the emotion, bringing it back to the body and then aligning a valued action to it um, makes a scary moment more workable. And that's a kind of a strategy that they can use to get through hard moments time over time. And that can also apply to off-court things too, when we can recognize the emotion and kind of what it's creating in the body and then bring your mind back to valued behaviors because that's the only thing we can control. Then we have ways to work through overwhelming or stressful situations both on and beyond um, tennis. Yeah, that's really fantastic, Caroline. So yeah, and, and I guess I'm assuming you can do this uh, players can do this in, in real time where they, you know, the identification, you know, once they feel um, uh, overwhelmed and then they can, uh, you know, do a physical sort of motion perhaps or activation and, and uh, loosen themselves, I guess. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's about noticing the emotion first. I think the most important thing for athletes is to really recognize their different emotional states um, and then being able to bring it back to the body because they're such physical beings. 
but with the with the notion of we accept whatever we're feeling and then bring it back to value behaviors because in the end we can never control emotions we can never control our cognitions the only thing we have control over moment by moment whether it's on court or in their daily lives at the hotel transportation you know delayed flights is the ability to come back and what's next we feel something we recognize it and then bring yourself back to what can you do in this moment which can apply to a lot of life stressors Gotcha, gotcha. That's, that's very cool. Um, in terms of, um, you know, for, for the players, that, the experts that they're they're using, I mean, is this, you know, do some of them, uh, I guess, do, do most of them come to you all or, or do they kind of get this help from their coach or how does that exactly work out in terms of like, you know, when they have you know, mental health issues, like who do they, who do they go to? It's a great question. Um, our athletes, their mental health is a subjective experience so we really empower the athletes to um, come to us if they're willing and ready or find a sourced like licensed qualified mental health care professional um, obviously sport knowledge is important and because we live and travel on tour with the athletes there's a certain sense of empathy that our clinicians on our mental health and performance team bring to the lifestyle and kind of what goes on on tour but we also completely respect the athletes that might add a team member directly onto their team or from their home country with more um, you know, access when they're back home in training. I think what we try and encourage with our athlete population is just finding someone who's qualified and someone who has expertise in sport, but also expertise in clinical training to really support both the athlete and the person and also the human and the person. Um, so holistic wellness is kind of what we're aiming for. And we also try and help the athletes, you know, if it's if our service is not where they feel comfortable, we can help them, you know, ask the right questions, ask about the person's education and their training, ask about the areas of expertise, make sure that whatever goals that you're looking or hoping to accomplish uh, align with the experience and expertise of the clinician. So we're all about educating the athlete on how best to source mental health and wellness resources. Um, while we're also a readily available on-site resource and we also offer virtual services year-round. So we're there with them when they need us and also always supportive of, of what they might need in addition. Oh, that's brilliant. And then um, in terms of the coaches of, of the players, um, what advice do you have for them or, you know, have given them, you know, in terms of, you know, for the coaches of players who, um, you know, seem to be struggling mentally? Like what types of guidelines do you, do you generally have for them? My biggest advice is speak up. I love coaches who can speak up um, because mm. when they can be vulnerable as a coach and express some of the discomfort and challenges that they experience, right? That then gives the permission to the athlete to do the same. Um, and obviously they're in part of the sport environment as well. So they're privy to the similar stressors and experiences that our athletes go through. So. Support is there. We have resources. Um, when we work with coaches, you know, to respect the confidentiality of the athlete, we, we work in general terms with coaches, but they can always come and see us to source different recommendations for athletes like their athlete and going through similar things like their athletes. And they can also, you know, learn some tips and tricks from us as we kind of talk about what it is, what it takes to, to live in this environment. So. To me, it can kind of be an advantage, right? If you can keep your team healthy from coaches to hitting partners to players, right? You can keep the, you know, it might be the edge that you need um, for the, your player as well. Yeah, most definitely. Thanks, Caroline. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, so in terms of mental toughness, um, you know, there's certain things that we see maybe from great players, for example, and we think, oh, you know, that's um, that's innate, you know, it can't really be worked on. But in terms of mental toughness, is that an innate quality or is that something that we can actually work on and improve and, and become great at? I'd love to talk about that a little bit. I think mental toughness is an interesting phrase. It's very familiar. People know They think they know what you're talking about when you say mentally tough, but it really isn't a goal. uh, I think because of the way that people are interpreting what they think that it means. So we actually use the word resilience a lot because Mm -hmm. when you think mentally tough, you think gritting it out, don't stop, win at all costs, push through, suck it up. All those (laughs) phrases that you hear that are really great on t-shirts, but are really potentially damaging over time for athletes and anybody. Because I will tell you, I I challenge you, honestly, to go to any children's cancer ward and walk through those hallways and tell me that those kids aren't mentally tough. But they're not gritting. They're not fighting. They're not yelling. They're not. I mean, they are amazing. So it's not always an outward sign of overcoming something. So when we talk about our athletes who are resilient and who want to build resilience, A big part of that is being able to look at the hard things and take a very honest look at the hard things that you're going through and experiencing. And hard, as Caroline said, is subjective. I think Kathy mentioned it too. What's hard for you might not be hard for me. And looking at what strategies you have used in the past to overcome those really hard things. Because you're building up a resume. You're building up an athletic resume. So when we look at kind of what is the source of resilience, It's also sometimes, you know, confidence, a source of confidence. We're talking about the things that you've done in the past, your your accomplishments and not your awards and your accolades and things that hang on the wall just, but it's also coming back from an injury or coming, you know, from behind and being able to, to win that set. And so you're building all of these little moments. Uh, We said, we kind of call them putting them, you know, a deposit into the bank of mental resilience. And then when you need to, you can make that withdrawal from it. Uh, We're talking about being able to think about your preparation, reminding yourself that you do put in a lot of time and you do put in a lot of effort to be able to perform at the level, whatever level that is, that you're trying to perform at. So not forgetting in those moments that, oh, it just didn't work this time. Everything's for for not. No, you're, you're putting in that preparation. You're doing the things to move yourself forward. You have had accomplishments and think really kind of assessing what strengths you do bring to the table. What allows you to be able to perform today? Well, these are things that I'm really strong at and really good at. So 
kind of thinking about how all of those things feed into that. And those are all, as Caroline mentioned, behaviors. They're things that you've done. They're things that are in your past, but it can help you to be stronger as you move forward into the future. You know, I think all of us on this call will tell you we've made our, our career paths in being able to help athletes realize their potential and realize what they already innately bring to the table through showing them some strategies and letting them discover for themselves what works for them. So I don't think any of us would say that it's innate and you got it or you don't. It certainly are things that you have to, like any physical skill that our athletes encounter, you have to practice it. And you have to put in the time and the energy to be able to create that resilience to continue to move forward, even when things are hard. And also to be able to have that resilience, and if you wanna call it mental toughness, to step away when things aren't right. And that's also part of mental health. If you are finding that you are doing things or being asked to do things that are outside of your beliefs, outside of your values, that your body is telling you is not healthy for you to do, to be able to step back. And sometimes that can be the hardest thing at all of all is not to just push forward, but to step back and take the, the break. Yeah. Great stuff, Baker. A lot of golden nuggets there. And, um, yeah, I love that technique that, that, that you mentioned, excuse me, where it's, uh, I've, I've heard it termed as well as like a cookie jar of, of, you know, accomplishments basically that, you know, when, when you're struggling that you just remember like, Oh, I, I did, I came back, you know, when I was down before things like that. And, I think about that and that's helped a lot. So um, definitely agree with that. And um, in terms of the most important traits that make a, a player um, mentally tough, which again, we, we kind of prefer the term resilience. Obviously resilience is one and you had mentioned s saying no and stepping back when needed. Are there any other particular traits that maybe, uh, you know, players should should think about developing in relation to um, what people think about as, as mental toughness? Yeah, I think Caroline hit it really well with the, the self-awareness piece, mm. that you're not just blindly going through your experience without any self-reflection. If you know what is within your typical responses, then you can very clearly know what's outside of your typical responses. And then you can address those kinds of things and you can come up with some strategies and our team for our athletes certainly helps them do that. So I think self-awareness really is, is the first one to, to step up and say, how well do you know yourself? How well do you know how you're reacting to certain external factors or internal feelings or, or thoughts? Uh, I think that energy, you know, when we see people who are resilient, there's a certain amount of energy that is required to meet and to be able to push through uh, and we don't say ignore, we don't say, you know, uh, kind of uh, go around it but to push through things. And that takes a certain amount of persistence uh, and the ability to adapt to certain situations. I mean, the list is uh, long and distinguished. And as I said, a lot of people can do their dissertations on this. Um, I think that the athletes who are committed to their sport and to their training and know why they are committed because it's a choice that they've made you're going to see those athletes be more resilient and want to to push through when the things get get challenging. Um, and then, you know, we talked about confidence a little bit, being able to know that you have the ability within you and the support around you to draw on your past experience and continue to move forward. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. I can't wait to re-listen to this <laughs> interview and, um, you know, put some of these things into practice here. So, um you know, I asked about exercises regarding um, mental health. I was wondering if there's any 
particular exercises that that maybe the you know the players uh, on the WTA tour uh, perform on a consistent basis to to improve their their mental toughness and resilience? Well, I think that's one of the things I I mentioned. We do a lot of work with helping athletes to understand how far they've come. We don't mm-hmm. do a lot of work of let's you know look in the rearview mirror too much. Sorry, my dog is decided to oh, no problem. Um, and, but we do do a lot of work with athletes who we, again, want to remind them how far they've come and the successes that they've had. That's part of feeding into your ability to be able to move forward. You know what? I'm Mm going to pause this for you. I know we can do this. Oh yeah. No worries. I thought I had added good (laughs) ambiance. You'll edit this in full go. disclosure. Uh, today is, is, uh, my birthday mental health day. So oh, wow. I'm getting Happy flowers birthday. delivered. I can, I can, I've already been told. So I'm trying to make sure that we're avoiding this. So oh, okay. thank you. I think, I think we're good. I think the dog has guarded me from the florist very, very successfully. No, nope, <laughs> no, there's more. I know. I know. Chocolates. So, well, it's all I'm good. gonna shut the door one moment. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, I have a terrible pun for her. I'll wait. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I love puns. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully. I have a I have a pun for you. Oh, so yeah. I said I hope that wasn't too rough. Oh, very nice, very nice. Uh, we have a dogged you. commitment to this topic. Oh, We're wow! Be right there God, no! Oh, that was incredible. <laughs> we well, we had to pause. With age, <laughs> very nice. Okay, very okay, nice. I'm done. Sorry. I'm All done. right, fair <laughs> enough. You're 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 done. No more bones to pick. Okay. No. Moving no. on. Stop it. You're, you're good. They're the ones you're that good. it's late at night for. Caroline's like, could you please? Sorry. Sorry. We're almost, we're almost done. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> we, we are happy to reset here and hopefully, um, you know, no florist has been harmed in the making of this podcast. Um, so anyway, you had asked uh, what strategies or exercises athletes can do to improve on their resilience. And I think part of it, again, is just going back to those traits, being able to be self-aware of how far you've come and the things that you have done to overcome those hard spaces. I also think that it's a really good opportunity for athletes to manage expectations around themselves and help people around them to manage expectations. What you're doing and what the athletes we work with realize is they are performing at a very, very high level. Not everyone can do what they can do. And it should be difficult. A practice shouldn't be something you walk into and walk out of barely breaking a sweat and not having learned or grown. That's the time when you have to do the tough parts. And so the fact that you are willing to face up to that and activate your energies around that and move through it is is something you should be recognized for. And I don't know if anyone else has other strategies that they use in sessions that would be appropriate for this. I think you've nailed it and just um, knowing that there's a lot of Merban you're going to hear a lot of the same kind of themes coming through so uh, and a lot of it is repetition and practice too and as Becky said you've got to practice some of these you've got to practice these under pressure um, and under tough situations in order to really hone those skills and most people can read a book and go, oh, I can do that. 
but it's another thing to do it when the rubber hits the road and you're you're actually it really means something and you're putting perhaps pressure on yourself and you have to pull it out when it really matters yeah yeah great stuff um just a couple more questions here i know that the team has <laughs> had a long day for sure so um what men, uh, pre-match mental prep uh do your players um perform before matches to help them just generally with the the mental health and mental toughness and obviously you know you want to have that mindset of okay i'm going to do well because everybody has doubts um about you know matches or against players like can i even <laughs> you know win a few games here but um yeah what type of mental uh practices do the players perform before matches that's a that's a good question and i think that it's not just before matches this is kind of a a, a habitual thing that needs to be ingrained into what you do for recovery when you finish your match what you do before the match what you're doing uh, um your your, your routines about getting to sleep and all those other things that you know we talked about earlier about the, managing sort of the lifestyle to set yourself up for success and again individuals are going to want to do different things you know some people will want to lie down in a quiet room and put the headset on and do whatever visualization or imagery or even go into some kind of distractible space where they're doing nothing perhaps connected uh, in, on an obvious level to their tennis match but others will want to do different things others all there's obviously a physical preparation that has to occur um, in their warm-ups and you can incorporate in that to some some challenging and and uh, interesting drills to keep to keep their not only their bodies nimble but their minds so keep mixing it up and and presenting the player with different challenges that they're going to have to um you know succeed with before they go on the court it's going to be different for everyone and coaches work with their players uh, qualified coaches will hopefully know their athlete listen to their athletes and together with maybe help from someone like our team will come up with this is the routine that we're going to use and then you've got to be flexible and adaptable because it's not always going to be recipe it's not recipe driven um, matches aren't recipe driven so you've also got to throw in the the, the drop shots and the lobs and make it um, mix it up and make it you know if this happens what then so that they're not just doing something on on autopilot because that's that's not always going to be helpful either because it tennis matches don't don't work like that yeah yeah definitely definitely love that and um a question that i received from um you know a friend that uh you know, really wanted to, very, very excited about this panel is, um, how can we uh, separate uh, winning from our self-worth? Because it is it is common for players to, um, you know, playing the matches and, and they just think, you know, if I'm going to, uh, if I lose, like my <laughs> life's horrible, things like that. And, and, you know, they may get even distracted or upset if a match isn't going their way because of these sorts of thoughts. So, um, yeah, any advice on on that and then also how to recognize uh, when that happens and work on that? Also, I think that that is a, that is critically important and I, I feel like we face that over and over and we do also work with quite young athletes out here. They start off often they may end up on the WTA and are younger, like they may still be adolescent. At that stage of your development, you're still developing your identity. Who am I? What do I stand for? As Caroline said, what are my values? What, what is important to me? 
those are the things that if you can work with a person to help her understand herself, establish those things, that is going to be critical to help do this very piece that you're talking about so that myself as an individual and my value as a person is not predicated entirely on my results. My results, of course, it's nice to win. No one wants to lose and they're competitive athletes. But the reality is they will lose. For most of them, they'll lose more than they win. Um, and learning to tease out who am I as a person? What do I stand for? Having my own value in that and then understanding the processes I need to work to, towards to get hopefully the results that I want. But when the results are not there, the sky hasn't fallen in and I have a grounded, stable identity that's, that's connected to my athletic identity, but it is not solely my athletic identity. It has many other facets. And um, that's something that takes time to develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful, fantastic words of wisdom. Um, just wanna you know, ask um, you know, for, for the audience, um, are there any particular uh, you know, websites or social media handles that, you, that you'd like uh, the audience to, to follow? Just you know, check out the WTA tour. You can always come and learn more about the players at WTAtennis.com. We always appreciate that for sure. Our women do amazing work and uh, to be able to cheer them on wherever they are in the world is always appreciated. Cool. Yeah, I just I love watching the tour. Um, such great athletes and stories and and whatnot. And you know, we had um Coco Golf. She she won in DC and then she won the US Open. And you know, that was in particular one one cool uh very cool story of, of the summer. So um, I really appreciate everyone's time today. I just want to uh give you the floor to see if there you have any last thoughts or anything before we adjourn. Well, we can kind of go around the room a little bit. You know, I always appreciate the fact that we get to have the opportunity to talk about athletes and their mental health. And it is not a new conversation, as Kathy alluded to. We've been having this conversation for a few decades now, and we just are always appreciative when folks are interested in learning more. And I really want to commend, I know in recent years, athletes have shared their experiences. I really want to commend anyone, athlete or not, who is finds it in their heart to be able to share their experiences in order to help others. Uh, that is truly a very resilient and, and brave and courageous thing to do. Uh, I think when people are talking about their own mental health, I think just staying in tune with who you are and how you feel uh, emotionally, your behaviors, your thoughts that Caroline alluded to, I think that's one of the most important things you can do to support your own mental health and just knowing that it is going to, to fluctuate a little bit and it is going to change. Awesome. Kathy? Yeah, Caroline, you, you were going to pipe in and I think you should. Yeah, I, I think that as the athletes that, you know, I come in contact with, which is the privilege, I think a lot of them get so focused on the tennis side of things and the more that we, as a young athlete, as an athlete who's well into their professional career, the more time you can spend getting to know yourself and really getting to know yourself, understanding all of your emotional states um, and your reactions with curiosity rather than a fear response. That's what, that's life, right? So it's about 
um, allowing yourself to evolve and trial and error and understand who you are on and beyond court lines and really investing a lot of time and effort in that process. It, it's a journey and it takes a lot of time. It takes repetitive time, which is why it's a privilege to work at the WTA and be able to sit with the athletes so consistently on the road and when they're at their training grounds because you see all sides of the athlete and the person. I think the athletes that we see really succeed are the athletes who really have a firm sense of identity um, and are curious about catching their mind engaging in all types of thoughts, thoughts that are helpful, unhelpful with this, with this approach of befriending it with curiosity and walking towards the fear and, and a, playing uncomfortably. I think if a player can play uncomfortably and, and harness at those challenging moments, they've unlocked a freedom, freedom for life in all different aspects. Great stuff. Yep. And we are working with humans and I think we're, we, we are privileged to see uh, the complexity that humans are and also we work, we work with a very diverse population on every level and uh, that's another, every day I feel like I learn from the athletes and I think that's something that as practitioners, yes, we have Obviously, we have knowledge, we have experience, we have things to impart, but we also have two ears and we need to listen because we too are students of the game and every athlete that I work with will show me something else about this, this game of tennis and, uh, and you learn from every athlete that you work with. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, Becky, Kathy and Caroline, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I know that uh, for some of us, it's actually past bedtime, while for some of us, it's, uh, you know, days is getting started. So really appreciate it. Thanks so much to you and to the WTA and to the mental health and performance team from the WTA for coming on to the show. And um, yeah, yeah, really appreciate the value that you brought to us. So uh, thanks again and have a great one. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. All right. I really hope that you enjoyed this very special panel interview of the WTA's mental health and performance team. Again, thanks a lot to Caroline, Becky, and Kathy for coming on to the podcast. Really enjoyed the conversation and definitely learned a lot from it. So I hope that you all took away some very valuable uh, techniques and pieces of advice to improve your mental health and toughness. And again, if you did gain value from this episode, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. We just find that Apple Podcasts is the biggest mover of the show in terms of um, visibility and, and rankings and whatnot. And I don't care so much about the rankings, but I mainly I, what I care about is having the show being more visible uh, so that more people can check it out and, again, gain a lot of value from the advice from all the amazing guests, like the ones that you heard today. So I would appreciate a review on any platform that you can. Uh, also, would like to leave you with a quote, as I often do at the end of every show, and this one is by Steve Young. And Steve said, the principle is competing against yourself. It's about self-improvement, about being better than you were the day before. Ended up getting quite a few likes on that one, which I posted on Instagram recently. Uh, you can check out my Instagram profile at, uh, sorry, at, at 
tennis.files. And yeah, with that, really appreciate you listening and hope that you're getting out there on the court and implementing what you've learned from the podcast or just, you know, implementing off court as well, such as the episode today where you can practice a lot of those in a lot of different places. (laughs) So uh, thanks again for listening to this episode and I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is your host, Mirabhan Aranshad, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.